The following audio is the recording of a sermon delivered at St. Rose Community Church. You can visit our website at strosecc.org. I'm going to resist the urge to say good morning, because I, I, I've already said good morning, but now I'm saying good morning. So good morning from this spot. Um, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Psalm 107. Psalm 107, at this point I saw a couple leave, but our threes and fours, if you haven't left, are dismissed uh, to their classes. Psalm 107, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, uh, raise your hand, one of our members will, will get you one. Psalm 107, if you open up your Bibles directly in the middle, got one up here. Uh, if you open up your Bibles directly in the middle, you'll probably come to the book of Psalms, and Psalm 107 is, is towards the end. So this morning we find ourselves also at the end of our quick journey through the book of Psalms that we've done this summer. The last four weeks we have, we've journeyed into different Psalms each week. And I pray and I hope our prayer is that you were edified this summer, that you were encouraged this summer. And the call that the Psalms give us to rely on the Lord, to come to him eagerly in prayer and to trust him. Because God's got it all under control. That's what we've learned in our quick jaunt through the Psalms. And Psalm 107 this morning is a very fitting end to our journey. And I hope you see why. I pray you see why. It's a very fitting end. So, so let's read this Psalm, Psalm 107, in all 43 verses in its entirety. And then we'll pray that God would help us to understand it by His Spirit. Verse 1 of Psalm 107 says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted, Within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached the city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works for the children of man, for he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness. And in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. Some fell down with none to help. And they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities, they suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. 
He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds with songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep, for he commanded and he raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths, and their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea he hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him and the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns deserts, he turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminished. When they are diminished and brought low, through oppression and evil and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he rises up the needy out of affliction. He makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we pray this morning that you would speak. Your people are listening. Pray this morning that you would remind us of your steadfast love towards us. You'd remind us of how you redeemed all of us. I pray that you would, by your spirit, do this. Pray that you would, by the power of your word, speak to your people and that you would, I just pray you would encourage the saints this morning, not because I am am awesome at preaching, but because you're awesome and you can do it, Lord. So we pray this, that you would speak by your spirit and for your, our good and for your ultimate glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Verse one, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I want you to think with me about God's steadfast love. Consider the steadfast love of the Lord. What comes into your mind when you read those words? Steadfast love. The word in the original language is a weighty word that, we're, that we get for steadfast love. It's, it's jam-packed when we 
when we, when we uh, translate it, it's like a sentence long, and it's intense, it's, jack, and it's jam-packed with theological truth, but for our purposes this morning, when we think about the steadfast love of the Lord, let's just marvel at this fact. God really loves us. God's love for us cannot and will not ever stop. God's love for us is different. It's different than any other love the world can give you. It's different than any other love that people can give you. God's love is holy. It's a covenant-keeping, faithful-to-his-promises love. He loves us unconditionally. That means that he does not love us based on how much we love him back, praise God. He does not love us based on our performance. But listen to how God himself describes his steadfast love. It'll be on the screen. Deuteronomy 7, verses 7 and 8 says this about his love towards his people. He says, It was not because you were more in number than any of the people that the Lord, uh, that the Lord did what? Set his love on you and chose you. For you are actually the fewest of all the peoples. Verse 8, why does the Lord love? But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. According to God, the reason he loves is because he loves. He has chosen to love, not because we're lovable, but because he is full of steadfast love. And I don't know about you, but this is freeing news for me to hear. I, uh, well, we did not earn God's love. So the other side of that coin means we cannot lose God's love. Theologian Gerhardus Voss, I think I'm pronouncing his name right, he helps us when he says this sentence. He says this, the reason God will never stop loving you is that he never began. He's always loved you. Verse 1, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. No beginning and no end. In our text this morning, the psalmist makes it very clear that God wants to display his steadfast love towards us. Like, in particular, God displays his steadfast love in our text and in our lives by redeeming sinful, broken, needy people like you and me. That's how we experience his steadfast love. He's redeemed people. In Psalm, we see this in Psalm 107. It's a lengthy psalm, you know, because we read it. It's the seventh longest psalm in the book of Psalms. But it breaks down, you probably caught it as we read, in a really interesting way. Verses 1 through 3, we just looked at it. It's just a call to come and worship, to come and praise God for his steadfast love. And then the main chunk of the psalm, it breaks down into four different situations. Four different situations where God redeems, where God displays his steadfast love. So that's going to be how we break down our text this morning. We're going to look at those four different situations that God redeems out of, and then after that, we'll have two points of application. So point, I'll probably say truth, because it's wired in my brain at some point, but point number one is this. The first situation we see is this. God redeems the wanderer. If you're a note taker, this is the first point, the first section of our text, found in verses 4 through 9. God redeems the wanderer. Verses 4 through 9. We're introduced to this group of people. 
Look with me at verses 4 through 5. It says this, Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. The psalmist describes here people who have nowhere to go, nothing to do, no food to eat or drink, nothing to live for. Their soul is, is fainted within them. They're wandering here and there, but they have no home. And in this case, the author is describing a very recent situation. Psalm 107 is written right after the Israelites have returned from exile. So he's writing from the perspective, it used to be us, praise God, it's not anymore. It's an answered prayer. But this is a reality that all of us can face, is it not? Have you ever felt like you were wandering? Like you didn't have a home. You didn't have a purpose. You were in exile more than you were in the promised land. Maybe it was a life circumstance that, that sucked the joy out of your life. Maybe it was a loss of a job where you felt, man, I, I don't have a people. I don't have a city. Maybe it was the loss of a family member or a friend. Maybe it was the emotional loss. Someone who promised to be there with you to the end, and now they left you alone in your desert waste. And you feel like a wanderer. Look at verse 6 through 9. What do the wanderers do in our text? Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Listen, we don't have to rely on ourselves to find purpose. We don't have to rely on ourselves to find a home, to get out of exile. According to this text, we can cry out to God when we feel hopeless and lost. And what does God do? He listens and he answers. In our text, God leads them to a city to dwell in. Verse 9 says he satisfies the longing soul he, and the hungry soul. He gives them good things. He gives them food, a place to live, a purpose. He gives them more than they could ever imagine. So friend, if you're in this room and you feel like this, you can identify with the wanderer. You're just kind of here and there. You don't feel like you have a home. Look no further than God himself. Hebrews eleven sixteen, it says this about Christians who long for something, it says this, that as it is, they desire a better country, a heavenly one, so something that's better than whatever this world has to offer. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Listen, if you are in Christ, you are a part of God's city. <laughs> and God is not just the king, but the king is your father. And he loves you. And in this city, God will satisfy all your longings. He satisfies all your desires. He alone is the one that can fill your cup. And he, is alone who, he alone is the one who can fill your heart, your longing heart. God redeems those who wander. God redeems the wanderer. That's the first situation. Second situation found in verses 10 through 16. Up on the screen, point number two is this. God redeems the rebel. God redeems the rebel, found in verses 10 through 16. We're introduced to this second situation, the second group of people in uh, verse 10 through 11. 
Let's read it together. It says this, some, so same exact pattern as before, some wandered, verse 10, some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in afflictions and prisoners in affliction and in iron. So why are they sitting in darkness and in prison? Verse 11, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. The psalmist here describes a person who, because of their own rejection of God, because of their own rebellion against His holy word, they don't live like they want to, but they are imprisoned. They're held in shackles because of their sin. Listen, we've all, we've all been in this spot. We've all been trapped in darkness because of sin that we refuse to repent of. We've all been trapped in disobedience, held in shackles because of the sin that we refuse to let go of. The Bible paints a clear picture that if you are not in Christ, you're imprisoned by sin and Satan. Jesus says in John 8, 4, that anyone who does sin, you don't just do it and say, ha, that was cool. You do it. Anyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So just, is this you right now? Have you refused to humble yourself under the word of God and, and come to Christ? Are you held in shackles because of your sin? Listen, the answer to being trapped, to being free from the prison that you're in is not to, to try to pick the lock, not to try to free yourself because you can't free yourself. But when the rebel acknowledges his need, God listens. Look at verse 13. They were in prison. They, they had no hope. Verse 13. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and He burst their bonds apart. <laughs> Good news. So if you, if, if you identify with this, if you are, if you're entrapped by sin, and you feel like there's no way out, if you're held in chains, come to God. God does not hold your rebellion against you. That's crazy to think about. The one who designed you and formed you and wants you to love him, and we rebel against him, he doesn't hold, us against, hold it against us if we come to him. When you repent of your sins, you have his attention. Because that's what steadfast love does. And he promises, in this text and in others, if you plead the blood of Christ to atone for your sins, he promises to redeem you. To bring you out of darkness, to bring you out of death's company, and to free you. To cut the shackles of sin and Satan's control over you off. And this is why Jesus died on the cross. This is not, he did not die on the cross just to show you, hey, this is cool, I'm sacrificing. Really, I love you a lot. He did do that, but he did it to free you from your sin, to set you free from the bondage of sin. That's what Romans 8, 2 tells us. That's the power of Christ and his cross. It's seen clearly in Colossians 1, 14 through 15. One of my favorite passages that says this. Jesus, what did he do? He, uh, oh, I put the wrong, I put the wrong uh, up there. It's, it's chapter 2, sorry. Colossians 2, 14 through 15 says this. He canceled the record of debt 
that held against us. With its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Verse 15, what does he do? He disarmed the rulers and the authorities, and he puts them to open shame. Sin, Satan, think they've won. What does God do? Watch this. You're in open shame by my sacrificial death on the cross. God redeems the rebel. Third situation found in verses 17 through 21. Verses 17 through 21, we see this. Number three, God redeems the sick. God redeems the sick in verses 17 through 22. Look with me at verse 17 and 18. We're introduced to this person. You'll see the, the, uh, the, the rhythm here. Some were fools to their sinful ways. Because of their iniquity, suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food. They drew near to the gates of death. The psalmist describes a person who is so wrapped up in their sin, they're so entangled up with sin, that they are suffering. They're sick. So sick that what's normally good for them, food, normally a good thing, they hate it. Maybe you're in this room, maybe you're in the room this morning and, and you are so wrapped up in your sin that you can't see straight. Maybe you're so wrapped up in your sin that, that you are sick and suffering. And you hate the things that are supposed to be good for you. The thought about coming to church grosses you out. The thought of reading his his word, you shudder at that thought. The thought of uh, of, of being in a discipleship relationship sounds gross to you. The, the thought of, uh, of uh, telling somebody about Jesus, you'd rather not. The thought of singing praises to him, something in you that just rejects against that. Listen, our sin makes good food sound repulsive to us. Our sin also makes us sick in the fact that it deceives us. It doesn't... I, you might be in your sin, but here's what sin tells you in the middle of your sin. No one wants to hear from you. No one cares. They're tired of you coming to them. They're tired. Your sin deceives you by telling you, God is tired of you. God doesn't want to hear from you, sickly person, again. God's against you. But that could not be further from the truth. What does the psalm say to do for those who are sick because of their sin? It sounds a lot like the previous two, if you were listening. Verse 19 says this, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He sent out His word, and He healed them and delivered them from their destruction. To the one riddled by sin, to the one who is held in sin's dreadful sway, to the one who is sick because of your habits, if that's true, you in this room, God desires to heal you by his living and active word. This word can heal you. Might be, I, I, you might be saying to yourself, but Drew, you, you, have, you have no idea how long I've been sick. God desires to heal you. You might be saying to yourself, but Drew, you have no idea what my sickness has caused me to do to other people. God desires to heal you. It's a crazy thought to me. It's an amazing thought that God, that our sins are no match for God's love. 
where our sins are super great, his grace and mercy and love, steadfast love, is more. This struck me this week. As I, I, don't you love when you just, you're studying maybe elementary things, simple things that just come alive in new and fresh ways? Happens to me all the time. This is what struck me this week. Because God is full of steadfast love, even when you're in the midst of your sin, there's no ounce of God that hates you. That's, a, that's, a sh- that, that's an amazing thought to me. Even when you're headlong in sin to the point of death, God does not hate you. God loves you. God is full of steadfast love towards you, and he hates the sin that's corrupting you. He hates it, but he loves you. Don't believe the lie that God hates you. He doesn't. He hates the sin that makes you sick. So if you're in this room and, or, and you felt conviction of sin, whether it be right now, whether it be for weeks, that's not God hating you. Conviction of sin is God showing his love towards you. If he hated you, he would turn you loose to the things he knows will kill you. God redeems the sick who are sick because of their sin. That's the third situation. Fourth and final situation found in verses 23 through 32. And that's this. Number four, God redeems the sufferer. God redeems those who suffer. Look with me at verses 23. It says, The sun went down to the sea in ships. It did business on the great water. Here's some, some merchants, right? They saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep, for He commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to the heaven, they went down to the depths, and their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and they staggered like drunken men, and they were at their end. The psalmist here describes merchants who no doubt were skilled at their craft. They could probably close their eyes and sail the, sail the path that they've done for years. They made a good living. They, um, they had great courage. They were confident in their sailing and business abilities. And what do we see? They were vulnerable. They were vulnerable to the storm. They were tossed to and fro by the waves. They were no match for what was outside of their control. So have you ever, well, not have you ever felt like you were in a storm? Think about the storms that you've been through in your life. I mean, it feels like you're at the mercy of things outside of your control. Just beating up against you. Waves crashing against your little boat. Maybe it's suffering that you have gone through that has rocked your world. Maybe it's our culture, like Ephesians 4 says, our culture and and the cunning uh, thoughts of this age try to pull us and tug us to believe things that are contrary to God's word, to just give in and do this. It's not that bad, or, or everyone else thinks this way, you should think this way, and you feel that tug and the waves of, 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 of false doctrine hitting you. If that's you this morning, I, you don't have a God who is unknowable. You, have a, you don't have a God who is unprayable to, but you have a God who desires for you to do what verse 28 says. Their world is rocked in the middle of a storm, verse 28. Then they cried to the Lord 
in their trouble. And he didn't listen. No, that's not what it says. He cried, they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still. The waves of the sea were hushed, no match for God. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. And in verse 31, after every single one of these deliverances, it says this, let them thank the steadfast, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, his wondrous works to the children of man. Listen, God and God alone can calm your storms. When you're in the middle of the storms, God and God alone can be your anchor that holds you down so you're not totally ripped apart by the waves and the wind. And like we see in Jonah, like we see with Jesus calming the waves, it since God is sovereign. Like in this text, it says that God hushes the wind and the waves. Just shh, be quiet. Since God is that sovereign over huge things, he is also that sovereign over every single detail of your life. So trust in the powerful, wonder-working God. You may have no idea. Odds are you will never know why you're suffering the way you're suffering. You don't really get the why answers. But we do know that we see more of our faithful steadfast, full of steadfast love God through it. And we can cling to truths. Truths like we sing in, in this song. Christ the sure and steady anchor in the fury of the storm when the winds of doubt blow through me when my sails have all been torn in my sufferings in the sorrow when my sinking hopes are few I will hold fast to the anchor it shall never be removed. Not because you're holding on tight, but because the anchor ain't going anywhere. God redeems. God redeems the wanderer. God redeems the rebel. God redeems the sick. God redeems the sufferer. He does. So now just two points of application. Number one, point number one is this. Cry out to God in whatever situation you find yourself in. In whatever situation you find yourself in, cry out to God. There's a reason why the psalmist here, who is anonymous, why he provides four distinct situations. It's to show that whatever we're going through, God redeems. So cry out to the one who can and will deliver you. Did you notice that each person who was in trouble, they did the exact same thing? Verses 6, 13, 19, 28. Literally is the same exact sentence. And in the midst of their situation, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. How foolish is it of us who, uh, for us to be in a pit, for us to be in a in a stressful situation for us to be distressed and then to hide ourselves from the only one who can pull us out of the pit. Like, but we do it all the time, don't we? You're in the midst of a situation where you are in the thick of wandering or rebelling or sickness 
or, or, or just being storm-tossed, and then you try to handle it yourself. I did it this week. This week, at the beginning of the week, I was down and out. If you ask me why, I couldn't really tell you. I'd just say, I'm really frustrated. I texted a couple bros. I was like, I'm really, I'm just feeling anxious and frustrated. Can you guys pray for me? I just felt, I felt like I was a failure. I'm sure you guys never feel this way. I felt like I was failing my church, my family, failing as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor. Just all these feelings are just rushing in my head. And I just, for a good, you can ask Bethany, for a good couple hours, I just like, oh, I felt it. I, I just kind of, I kind of reveled in my despair. It didn't solve anything. <laughs> but then I opened up my Bible to Psalm 107. And I was struck with conviction. All this time I was complaining to myself and others about things I could not handle myself. All the while, not crying out to the God who could answer the situation I was in. I believed a lie. I believed that God didn't want to hear from me. I believed a lie that, that he didn't really love me, in effect. But through his living and active word, it struck me afresh that God is abounding in steadfast love. He loves because he loves. And he loves when we come to him. He does. I mean, just think about it. The God who formed the universe, who put every star in place, the God who spoke and things started to happen. The God who hushes the seas and the storm. That same God wants you to cry out to him. That same God wants you to express your brokenness. To not clean yourself up and say, okay, I, I did like half of the work here, God. Can you come to me? No, 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 no. He desires for you to throw yourself on his steadfast love. So do not withhold yourself. I withhold myself all the time. Do not withhold yourself thinking you can handle it. Maybe you're here this morning and you're wandering. Like, like you're longing to fit in. You're longing for satisfaction. You're longing to have a people to call your own. Cry out to God. He alone will satisfy your restless soul. Maybe you're here this morning and you have never come to God before. It's foreign to you, but you realize maybe this morning that you've rebelled against him, that you knew you can see God's holiness and you have turned your back in your sins. Cry out to God. Repent of your sins and trust in Christ's finished work. And there you'll find what you're looking for. Freedom. <laughs> True relief. Any Christian in this room can testify to that truth. Maybe you're here this morning and your vision is cloudy. Your conscience is not right. Your appetite is weak. Your spirit is crushed because of indwelling sin in your own life. You're sick. Cry out to God. Confess your sins. And when you cry out to God, you know what meets you there? Not this. You've sinned too many times. I don't want to hear from you. You know what you find? 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You'll find true healing. A balm for your soul. Maybe you're here this morning and you're tired. You're storm-tossed by 
suffering in your life, you're afflicted, you're in a storm, cry out to God. He knows what you're going through. He is your only rock of refuge. He is your steadfast and strong anchor. He is your God. And He has regarded you. Our helpless souls, He's regarded us. And He shed His own blood for us. Your weeping may last for a week. Your weeping may last for a month. Your weeping may last for a year. Your weeping may last for the rest of your life. But it will all be worth it when we see His face. And listen, if you're a Christian in the room, which I can look and see, there are plenty of you. If you're a Christian in the room, this is the first step that you took in your salvation. Salvation of, you didn't save yourself. God saved you. But the first step you took by the Spirit of God was to acknowledge, I'm in a spot because of my sin that I can't get out of. I need God. Your first step was to cry out to God and say, I can't save myself. I need you to cry out like the tax collector in Luke 18 when he beat his breast, didn't know what to say, and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Don't lose sight of your need for God. You don't graduate where you don't need him as much as you did the first time you, you realized it. He has redeemed us all for in him from sin and hell. And if he has never redeemed you from one more affliction, that's more than enough. And he saved you from an eternal separation from him. So if you're here this morning and you have been redeemed, the second application point is specifically for you. Application point number one. Number two is this. Don't stay silent about your redemption. Don't stay silent about your redemption. Verse one. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed out of trouble. After each of the situations where they were uh, redeemed from sin, what does it say? Verse, let's just pick one. Verse 21, he redeems the sick. And after he redeems them, it says this, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. May we be a people who know that we have been redeemed. Not only know what we've been redeemed, but let us be a people who can't stay silent about it. May we lift our voices to praise the God who's full of steadfast love and redemption. God, may you give us eyes to see you. May you give us a voice to praise you with. One of the signs that you have been redeemed is that you can't stop talking about it. You, don't, you can't wait to sing about it. Listen to what the one comment, commenter says about this psalm. I think it's on the screen. It says this. We talk about things that matter to us. When a school's beloved sports team wins a game, students talk about it. When people enjoy a good book or a movie, they recommend it to others. When people hear a good story, they share it. So then... We, who have experienced the greatest of all acts, redemption, should want to make this news known in worship and witness. A silent Christian, next slide, a silent Christian is a strange creature. 
does such a creature exist, we should probably affirm that a silent Christian is no Christian at all. The redeemed sing. The redeemed share, discuss, pray, and declare the glories of the Redeemer, even if they must do so through sign language. Are you silent about God's redemptive work that you say has happened in your life? If so, if you can't think of the last time where you praised Him truthfully, then this psalm should cause you to question whether you've actually been redeemed at all. But if you have been redeemed, sing. There are over 50 different commands in Scripture. The second most commanded thing in Scripture to sing. Because those of us who have experienced redemption, freedom from the power of sin, healing from sin's disease, who found a home in God, who've been delivered through many of life's storms, our only response is to say something about it. To lift our voices to the praise of the God who did it all. Verses 33, as we close, verses 33 and 43 of our text, it zooms out and it shows the sovereignty of God through every single fabric of life. Verse 40 says this, He pours contempt on princes, makes them wander in trackless wastes. Verse 41, But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad. And all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. And let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. When was the last time you considered the steadfast love of the Lord? Verse 43 says that this is the key to being wise. Considering the steadfast love of the Lord. Listen, he loves you because he loves you. He can't stop loving you because he never started loving you. So when's the last time you took a break from this bad boy, from content, from the busyness of your life, and just pondered how God has redeemed you? When's the last time you took five minutes and thought about what God has done in your life? When's the last time you practiced any sort of gratitude towards the God who saved your life? So if it's been a while been a while since you've done that i would encourage you during these response songs to do that like to to ponder what god has done in your life but i would encourage you don't just stop there don't just fill up your heart oh god yes thank you for doing this but let that thanksgiving move from your heart to your mouth for great is his steadfast love let the redeemed of the lord say so Are you redeemed? Something about it. He has put a song in our hearts. Let us thank the Lord for his steadfast love towards his creation. He's put songs like this that we're about to sing in a little bit into our mouths that we can sing with full confidence and with full praise. By your perfect sacrifice, I've been brought near. Your enemy, us, you've made your friend by pouring out the riches of your glorious grace your mercy and your kindness know no end your blood has washed away all my sin jesus thank you the father's wrath completely satisfied jesus thank you (laughs) once your enemy now seated at your table even though we don't deserve it jesus 
thank you. It's simple, but it's commanded and it's beautiful and it's right and good. Pray that we would respond any way that we feel, or respond by considering the steadfast love of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we just, we pray for every single person in this room, whether we are, whatever situation we're in, wandering, rebelling, sick, or in the middle of a storm, we pray that we would cry out to you. We pray that we would not withhold ourselves from the God who can redeem. Lord, I pray that, that we, as your people, would consider your steadfast love. We'd remember that we were once lost and now we're found. We'd remember that we were once blind, but now we see. We'd remember that we were once destined for hell. And now we have an inheritance that can't be taken away from us. So help us, Lord, to, to, to remember the steadfast love and then to let that remembrance fuel our hearts to praise you with all that we have. Lord, we pray that the redeemed of the Lord would say so. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.